0: So Romans twelve one and 2, this is God's holy and infallible word. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. As Pastor Matthew said, we're starting a little three-part sermon series tonight. Our new morning series, of course, is on the Sermon on the Mount, and that's about living for Jesus. It's about the Christian life. It's about holiness. This brief evening series is going to get a little bit at the foundation for really that morning series by asking why we live for the lord why do we do good this question comes up because the bible is so clear that our salvation is not from doing good things good works don't save us this was a huge issue at the time of the protestant reformation And it continues to be something that challenges people. People have trouble getting over the fact that there's nothing we contribute to salvation. It's tough to get that because the way the world works is that you have to do certain things to get certain results. Now the most central thing in all the Bible, of course, is the message of our great need for God's salvation in Jesus We learn that this most central and crucial of all things, our salvation, which impacts us now and for all eternity, we learn that we can't contribute to it at all. And that's counterintuitive, it's countercultural, but it's exactly what we need for salvation to be holy of God's grace. And yet, God gives us the Ten Commandments. We have His law. We've got the Sermon on the Mount. We've got all these calls to live for Jesus. The practical parts of all the letters in the New Testament. Uh, We're going to have this whole sermon series on Christian living in the morning. And the elders, at least yet, haven't said to me, No, no, we can't talk about that because salvation is by grace alone, Pastor. Clearly, doing good is important. We know it deep down. But, but why and, and how is it important, given that salvation is by grace? The Catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism, anticipates that thoughtful believers will ask these sorts of things, which leads to uh, the question that uh, we have tonight. And uh, this is on page 44 in the back of your Psalter hymnals if you want to have that open to look at tonight. It leads to this question. We've been delivered from our misery by God's grace alone through Christ and not because we've earned it. Why then must we still do good? So doing is good is so important, we must do it. Why must we do good? We must live good. Holy lives. Why? The answer the Catechism gives is in three parts. And that's what we're going to dig into in these three sermons. We get an answer there in the Catechism first from God's perspective, then an answer to the question from our own perspective, and then an answer from our neighbor's perspective. And we find three pieces to the answer as the catechism gives us an upward gaze to God and then we look inward to our own hearts and lives and then we look outward to those around us. The upward perspective is the sermon tonight. And that's that first paragraph in the catechism answer there on page 44. This first part of the answer shows us how God changes us through salvation, leading to us doing good works. And if you're looking in there, you'll see in the catechism, there's a heading above it, this question. Part three, it says, man's gratitude. And all you good students of the catechism know that this heading is the final of the catechism's three parts with the first two parts being guilt and grace. Another way to put it is, we've been shown our sin, we've been led to our salvation in Jesus, and now in the final part of this teaching in the Catechism, we're shown how salvation shows up and what it looks like in our lives. This is also how it goes in the book of Romans which the Heidelberg Catechism is modeled after. We read from chapter 12 because it's the very beginning of the third section of Romans. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. In other words, in light of what came before in Romans which was a discussion of our need for the Lord because of our sin, and then telling us how we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Therefore, such and such, says Paul. And in the rest of the book, he tells us what the saved life looks like. How to do good in all sorts of details. He says stuff like, don't think too highly of yourselves. Use your gifts to build up the body of Christ. He gives us all the details on how to love others. He gives us guidelines for relating to the government in our lives. That's part of our holiness too. And on and on in those chapters. And so, now, tonight, how God's salvation changes us to do good. Three ways. First of all, we see that God through Christ changes our DNA. His salvation changes us to do good in our lives by giving us new DNA. We read in the Catechism that Christ, by His Spirit, is renewing us to be like Himself. Without God's salvation, our inclination is toward evil and sin. Paul talks about that very vividly early on in the book of Romans concluding with this, there is no one who does good. That's our default, poor sinners that we are. That's how we're wired because of original sin. When we're saved, that changes. We get new wiring in a sense. We're wired toward holiness instead. In a sense, a flip is switched toward good being our default. Something fundamental is changed in our nature. The Holy Spirit is in us, and the Holy Spirit, as the catechism says, is renewing us to be like Jesus. You might raise your hand there and have an objection. You might say, well, I'm a Christian, but my DNA still seems pretty messed up. My old nature rises up regularly. I get impatient way too quickly. I've got lust in my heart. I get grumpy even though I know I'm supposed to be joyful in Jesus all the time. My inclination is towards sin more than it should be and, and certain sins really attract me and I, and I fall into them. I mess up. I do bad instead of good. And sometimes, pastor, there are opportunities I have to do good and I fail to take advantage of those opportunities. And all that is true, and it's the experience of every believer. No believer is perfect, but in the failing, in the sinning, I would argue, for a believer, the point is proved that our DNA has actually changed. Because when you do sin, if you're a believer, it grieves you, right? You're sorry. It troubles you. You want to do better with your marriage, with your kids, with your thought life. That relationship, that strained between you and another person, it weighs on you. You ask the Lord for forgiveness when you mess up. You ask your spouse or your kids or your, your fellow church member for forgiveness when you blow it. Our new inclination isn't perfect before we hit heaven, but the sorrow, when you mess up, proves that the switch has flipped. The new DNA is in us. It's working. It's renewing you and me. God changes our inclination in Jesus through the inner work of the Spirit that lives in each and every child of God. I know this isn't scientifically correct, I don't think. But if water had DNA, the DNA of water is to be wet. It's in its nature. The DNA of a teacher is to teach. Of an artist is to draw. Of a musician it's to make music. They just have that inclination. It's got to come out. The inclination of my dear Los Angeles Lakers this year is to lose. The DNA of the Blackhawks, on the other hand, is to win, maybe 11 in a row after tonight. The DNA of someone saved by God's grace is to do good. We can't help it. And and that's why I think that though our deeds don't save us, We look forward to hearing messages on Christian living, and and we're eager to hear what God's grace means for our everyday life because it's the Christian's desire to live for the Lord when he saves us. It's in our DNA. Second, God's salvation changes us to do good by giving us a new motivation for our day to day living. Christ changes our motivation. And that's the next part of the answer in the catechism. So that in all our living, we may show that we are thankful to God for all he has done for us. We're changed at the core of our being. We have a new DNA so that our tendency is toward good works. And now, day by day, in all our living, We do good. We have a new motivation, and it's powered by thankfulness. The Bible tells us this so we're aware of how lost we are without the Lord. It tells us of the depths of our sin. We're told what it took to save sinners like us. The great plan of God in eternity, the working out of God's plan through centuries millennia of history culminating in the son of god putting off the glories of heaven to humble himself and to die on the cross and it all makes us so thankful that thanksgiving for all that god has done for us is our motivation we tell god we're thankful through prayer we show God we're thankful through our living, through doing good. And that's exactly what the Catechism says. I told you this question and answers at the start of the last section, the gratitude section. Well, that gratitude section explains the Lord's Prayer to us, and it explains the Ten Commandments. It talks about the importance of our prayer life. And the importance of Christian living—the two big parts to gratitude. Sometimes, maybe some of you aren't this way, but most of us need motivation sometimes to do something. Uh, sometimes it's not uh, we're not overly motivated to to clean the house, to get that project done at work. We need motivation to get out of bed sometimes, and that's true in our our journey of faith, in the day-to-day living of our faith. We need motivation, and we've got it. We've got the best motivation we could have. Thanksgiving is the motivation. We're so grateful for everything that God has done for us. Every morning, we wake up, we open our eyes, and we say, Thank you, Lord. How can I give back to you today for all you've done for me? How can I live a holy life for you today? We lay in our pillow at night. Thank you, Lord, for another day as a citizen in your heavenly kingdom. Those times we feel unmotivated, and that happens. And we're dragging in our resolve to serve the Lord. Well, well, then it's wise to go back to God's word. To open it up to be reminded of his great and glorious deeds again. To be reminded of where we were on our own in sin. And to be reminded of, of the path that we'd be on without the Lord. And to be reminded of how he brought us up out of the miry clay. He put a new song in our hearts and he's put us on the road to glory. A disciplined pattern. and and you know this, of week-by-week worship in God's church helps keep the thanksgiving alive too. And as the thankfulness arises in us when when we're given those reminders in God's Word and worship and Christian fellowship and Bible study of God's grace, well then the motivation kicks in for that day-to-day living for Jesus in all we do. We do good day-by-day in all our living through the motivation of gratitude for God's salvation of us in Jesus. Finally, one more thought tonight. God's salvation changes us to do good by giving us a new goal. God, through Christ, changes our goal, our purpose in living. Salvation changes our default position, our DNA toward doing good. It gives us the motivation day by day to do good through thankfulness, and we have a new end goal, a purpose for living, and it's praising God in our lives. It's the last thing the catechism mentions. Giving glory to Him, doing good in our lives, honors and glorifies Him, and honoring and glorifying Him is our purpose in all our living. It's one thing to talk about the glory of God. It's a good thing to talk about. It's one thing to sing praises to him amongst God's people in the church, and that's a good and great thing to do. But the rubber really hits the road in our day-to-day living. He's praised in our hearts, with our lips, but also, beyond that, in the holy living of us, his people. That pleases him. And that's our purpose in life, to glorify Him. It's our chief end to glorify Him forever. That's what the Westminster Catechism says. I was watching one of the January series lectures we simulcast as a church this past week. A journalist and writer, he's really well known, David Brooks, was talking about his book, The Road to Character, and he talked there, and he took this from someone else, I think, I'm very sure. He talked about levels of happiness in life. There's higher levels and, and lower levels. The lowest level of happiness, and, and we talked a little about this this morning, the low, low, lowest level of happiness is from things, stuff, material things. They can give us happiness, but the very lowest level of happiness in our lives. The second level of happiness is through personal achievements in our lives. Uh, Finishing school, getting a job, doing well at our work. There's satisfaction and happiness in personal achievement. But there's a higher level, two levels higher actually. The third level up is happiness through helping others, serving others, giving. A lot of people in the world, I think, feel like they've arrived and achieved the highest level possible in life when they've learned finally to give to others and to serve others. But David Brooks says, and I think he's right, that there is an even higher level of happiness possible in life, the fourth level. And he describes it like this a connection with the transcendent, a spiritual connection. And we We can fill in what that really means as believers. It's knowing our Heavenly Father, becoming part of His family, His body, the church, by believing in Jesus. I'm pretty sure David Brooks is not a Christian, but I know he has respect for the Christian worldview. I think there's a recognition there through common grace that the highest goal for mankind is knowing God. Again, he doesn't say it in so many words, but we know in God's Word the truth of it. The highest level of happiness is in glorifying Him. That's our goal. That's what we're shooting for, pleasing our God. We do good so that He may be praised through us. This new purpose that God gives us when He saves us This new end goal results in living holy lives for Him. That gives God glory like nothing else. So why do we do good works? Why must we do good works as believers? Well, the first part of the answer tonight, and remember there's going to be three sermons, three parts. The first part of the answer tonight is we do good works because God changes us with his salvation to do good works. In Jesus, we're given a new DNA, a new motivation, and a new purpose. Praise God for all of this. Let's live for him with all our hearts and with the help of his word and spirit. Even this week.